Hi, I'm Tamsin Bradley, and you're listening to the Gender Focus podcast from genderfocus.org. As a professor in international development studies at the University of Portsmouth, I work with an international community of researchers and practitioners, and together we collaborate to create positive change in the lives of women and girls around the world. We share insights from different research projects, all of which challenge violence against women and girls. We also explore knowledge about mental distress, climate, water and sanitation, and indeed the links between all of these different themes. Our website and these podcasts are facilitated by the University of Portsmouth and their International Development Studies Group. This time, we're meeting some of the minds behind FIDINA, the Foundation for Educational Innovations in Asia. Since 1983, this non-profit NGO has been working towards empowering marginalised groups by building confidence and creating tools against oppression. Fadina works across a range of underrepresented groups in the southern states of India, as well as the Union Territory of Pondicherry. Their activities include, for example, making sure senior citizens have access to social security. They work to build solidarity and negotiating rights amongst different types of workers. And they champion women in leadership. It is expected that women just put their head down, do not look here or there, speak to anybody and keep working. That is what is expected. If we take the time to address violence, it pays off and they emerge as leaders and then they help other women to come out and challenge violence. At the heart of Fadina is a network which extends to 1,804 grassroots groups via 17 much bigger organisations. Sebastian Devaraj has 30 years of experience working within the union sector and within state government before he joined Vidina. And he is now the executive trustee of the organization and has been since 2017. I joined Vidina in 2007 as a coordinator for unionization of informal sector workers, which Vidina was involved in primarily to motivate our own activists of Ferina to strategize and organize different workers to collectivize themselves. Ferdina was born in response to a social crisis that saw an erosion of the democratic rights. Sebastian explained why such an organization was vital in response to the political climate at the time. During 1975, the country went through a two-year period of uh, emergency rule that is imposed, which almost crushed all democratic rights in the country. Uh, There are a lot of violations of human rights during that period. And uh, the members of the Fadina Trust were all part of the movement to restore democratic rule, which happened after two years of quite a strong struggle by many leaders. When Fadina was established in 1983, two major focuses were one is to build democratic institutions, strengthen democratic institutions at the grassroots and address issues of social justice, both in terms of social discrimination, violence against women, tribals, Dalits. But Fadina developed its mission over the course of decades in order to meet the changing needs of different groups. Fadina has gone through about three phases. When we started, the understanding was if we could 
collectivize women into self-help groups, probably help them to generate some income, save some money, and also come together to improve their economic conditions. We must have created over a thousand self-help groups at that time across different areas of Bangalore, especially among women, Dalit women, and the tribal women. Our work was mostly with women. The role of Fadina has evolved in response to the needs of people and society across the region. A wide number of local grassroots organisations helped them remain agile and tuned into the experiences of different types of marginalised workers across a range of different sectors. The next phase was more to do with rights-based approach, entitlements, accessing the state programmes in a more effective manner. That was another 10 years. That is also the time when liberalization of the economy was being introduced in 1991. A lot of state services were being privatized. And so that brought about a lot of issues of availability of state services for the community. Around 2004, Vadina began to focus more upon a human rights approach. I think by that time, the liberalization policies had been pushed quite a distance and had already taken effect. So uh, more and more people were losing their livelihoods and were dependent on wage labor. So that is around 2000, 2003, we started to reflect on what we were doing. And then we felt that most of the communities that we were working with were dependent on wage labor, and we started to look at labor rights at that point of time. So this, these are three phases from 2003-04 onwards, we've been focused on the core labor rights of the ILO, especially equality for women, forced labor, and freedom of association and collective bargaining. By meeting and reviewing the impacts of community work every three months, the team at Fadina were able to keep real results in focus. During new phases of social development, new issues arose for marginalised communities. The right to work was one thing that we were very strongly pushing for during the early 2004. The other two, two three priorities were, one was the land rights. Uh, there were, in the urban sector, huge slums that were being evicted from Urban infrastructure was one of the major pushes at that time in this kind of liberalization, globalization, economic policies that were taking place. So there was a lot of displacement within urban areas. And so that needed to be resisted for housing rights. In the rural areas, people were losing their lands, especially the Dalits who were given small pieces of land. They were being dispossessed. The other two very important aspects were uh, priorities were women's rights because in India, I mean, the labor, women are paid just half, sometimes even less than half the wage of men, also denied most to the facilities that required for women at the workplace. So that is uh, one important aspect. Then um, domestic violence was also because of the whole changes that were happening in society, uh, violence was increasing and that needed to be addressed. The turning point came when the organisation began to think and work across borders and boundaries. This led to partnerships that stretched globally. 
then uh, 2004 we realized that the economy was not anymore just village or city bound but it was across the globe and we started to link our work with uh, international organizations especially clean clothes campaign uh, among the garment workers there was this uh, asia floor wage alliance which tried to bring together different organizations across asia which were producing for the same brands global brands yeah so we have been now that is ferina's group work we now organize several informal sector workers especially the domestic workers who are a large number now in the cities um, the agricultural workers more and more becoming wage dependent they have lost their uh, small pieces of land and uh, in the city the garment sector which is one of the biggest sectors which is employing almost 80% women in the labor in addition to representing the rights of women and workers vadina has been campaigning to reduce spending on defense by 10% in order to fund social security for informal sector workers the campaign for disarmament to combat poverty worked with 500 organizations right across the country as well as in france and sweden we were able to go down to the informal sector workers and explain to them the real meaning of social security as opposed to just defense and protecting the borders ganga sakar is a training officer she consults with workers to try and identify tools and approaches that will help them become empowered in their jobs and trades through collective bargaining that's a process of negotiation between employers and union groups of employees i have been uh, designing workshops to learn critical engagement between workers organizing strategies collective bargaining i can see the push towards dialogue and collective bargaining as an important tool for workers to fight for their rights and to build their own power that is an approach that fadina in in that sense to push for dialogue and collective bargaining has been at the forefront as well but in terms of women's rights and empowerment ganga says simply working and participating does not equate to empowerment fadina is working to ensure that there are opportunities to challenge inequalities at work and at home through creating a collective voice just by participating in the workplace it does not automatically empower women women have always faced violence at home and that is something that i've been seeing in the past few years that i've been engaged with domestic workers and garment workers women face a lot of violence at home and then many of these workplaces reflect very similar hierarchies even in the workplace even if you look at a garment industry lot of the workers driving this industry at the bottom are women and a lot of the supervisors use the same patriarchal bullying dominating tactics to to extract production so it's the same hierarchies that get reflected so it is not enough that we push for women's participation in the economy in workplaces but then to fight against violence whether it's at home or at workplace and it can begin in either place women can start to question violence and start to challenge it either at the workplace and then ask the same questions why it is tolerated at home or on the other hand question at home and start to fight from there as to why there is so much violence at home challenge that and then take that to the workplace and say why should we tolerate sexual violence or production 
pressures or different forms of abuse that come at the workplace to fight violence wherever it is whether it's the workplace or at home one key observation is in how empowering women can start a wider process of change and negotiation so women challenging violence somehow seems to be the catalyst to bring change in so many different spheres including in changing their working conditions including in asking for a bigger wage or social security or bonuses or whatever that is but somehow the key seems to be the fight against violence we used to have street level meetings we used to have area level meetings with women initially we only spoke about workplace issues because our main focus was to collectivize them to bargain negotiate at the workplace we realized that uh, hidden under their participation was a deep violence that they were facing and that needed to be addressed so actually whenever we met ferina in different areas among all sectors we started to have all parallel meetings for women to just speak about themselves slowly we realized that many of them would participate in that meeting much more solidly than participating in the collective meetings for workplace issues we persisted because we felt that there was a very strong emotional need for women to participate and slowly like ganga was saying the strength of participation in these meetings improved because we addressed issues in the domestic sphere a lot of our time lot of our time was spent just intervening sometimes late nights 11 o'clock 12 o'clock 1 o'clock in the night when women were being beaten or thrown out of the house the activists and worker leaders representatives would go to the house and support the woman who was being beaten and that really brought a lot of leaders uh, into the unionization process so we started something called the women's vigilance groups so from informal meetings where women could talk about their work relationships and support networks were formed that were able to respond to a crisis as it happened members of the groups would accompany the victim to the police station to file a report and help with legal advice we never listened to the other point we only listened to the woman's point of view we would take a stand saying that violence is not acceptable we will not negotiate on that it looked very one sided but sometimes we felt that was needed fadina is particularly active in the garment industry where conditions can be so poor only those living in the most desperate circumstances can be tempted to find work ganga explained the fear and intimidation that informs this reality women earning a poverty wage are sustaining entire families and there's no way to survive on this i mean that is why workers are perpetually in debt there's no way to survive on this and have a decent uh, living i think it's one of the main issues in the garment industry that women face one of the major issues women face is the unbelievably high production uh, pressure in a fast fashion industry like this it's a killer the way the 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 industry is structured women are at the bottom of this hierarchy as well they are the tailors they are the really driving the industry but they are always under the male supervision 
almost all the supervisors the managers all of them are are male and they use the same dominating bullying tactics to to extract production from them there's lot of verbal abuse that goes into putting pressure on workers into meeting the production targets it has been a long struggle to even be able to challenge this that many times we come across women would not even know who are the other women working around them what issues they are facing that is why organizing sometimes the first step would be even to sort of start to build those networks between workers because they are the kind of production pr- pressure under which that they work they don't even get a second to look at each other speak to one another there's no scope to organize in spite of what brands might say in spite of what these different initiatives that are meant for garment workers might say about promoting freedom of association within within the garment industry but that it, it never translates into practice there's no way that women are even allowed to even speak to one another the covid-19 crisis deepened many existing economic inequalities worldwide and in the case of the garment industry has set back the prospects of working families for many years to come the first phase of the lockdown it was nothing like anything workers had faced before the factories were shut down and there was no wage they were not told how long they would be without wages and that went on for two months these different phases of lockdown and factories being closed has increased the debt of workers family the loans that they had to take to sustain themselves during this period for many years to come workers have been given loan in the place of wages which means that they have to pay off that loan over the next 6 months or one year and that is just adding to the already existing pile of uh, loans already existing debt they closed down the crash and pregnant women were asked to stop working and go home many of them lost their jobs because they could not return back to work could not join rejoin work and there were no records for any of these things there was no official stand of saying that you know you please go this really affected women who had children and um, uh, who were pregnant you know for 3 months 4 months and so they could not come back even to work and they lost both the jobs and the lockdown wages partial lockdown wages that were given another thing was that many workers have been affected by covid but there is no facility to test them or certify them so most workers were not given any leave they were just coming back to work after two days of fever headache and all sorts of every symptom that showed that they had covid and that inspired us in one sense to start these mutual aid groups by creating internal support groups in the crisis in the garment industry and beyond fadina is creating the spaces where vital sharing of experiences can take place and where skills can be developed for workers by collectivizing we can face we can question we can have a dialogue and through that we'll be able to start to organize and we've been pushing for this dialogue process for collective bargaining and training workers to be able to to raise these demands to to be able to even understand sometimes how collective bargaining works and what it can do to workers and how we can address these different issues how we can address violence the low wage all of these issues by starting to 
collectivize. And that is the idea, that is the type of uh, idea and strategies that we're trying to work with workers, speak to them, address, and also to train workers on being able to do this. The social context of work for such women means that caring responsibilities are often loaded onto their day in addition. They are almost on their feet for about 16 to 18 hours a day, getting up sometimes as early as four o'clock in the morning and going to sleep at about 11 or 12. So production, it's, it's so arbitrary and so cruel. What we have seen is in the past uh, few years, probably four or five years, the production targets which were around 50 to 60 pieces have now risen to 100, 120 pieces without any improvement in the technology itself or in the machine, uh, you know, machinery itself. So, so they have been forced to cut off lunch time and any other kind of uh, time that is required to just to stretch themselves. We have been trying to get the workers to understand this process of uh, even asking the management on how they fix production targets. Whereas this work is taking place in the garment industry, Ganga says, whatever the context, change takes time and patience. Sometimes it takes a lot of time uh, because of uh, women often hear what, we, what we've seen is we don't hold much power. Sometimes in any domain of life, whether it's at home or at the workplace. So there's oppression in like in the domestic sphere as well as at work. That's one thing. And I've been thinking a lot recently also about female friendships. I, I mean, it's not exactly organizing work or the trainings or anything like that but how important it is to build these networks of women how we can connect them with one another make them speak with one another overcome this fear and intimidation that they cannot even look at each other at the workplace and they cannot even take the time to ask what's happening because many times women show up to work with bruises on their face they have a black eye They have a broken arm. They have so many of these typical domestic abuse signs, but they cannot even look at them and ask them if they're okay or they're all right. One of the most important lessons I think that we get from organizing in the garment industry especially is when women are convinced and come forward to take a leadership position, movement for change is much more sustained and lasting. It's really solid when women take up the leadership because there's a lot of emotion that is involved. It's just not rational, just not reasoning. And, you know, it's not just a fight of uh, who dominates the other, but it's really for a real improvement in working life. And it also improves their uh, social life. Building leadership of women and dealing with their emotions of anger, indignity, their compassion, sorrows, you know, all these things are so important in strengthening that collective leadership. Thanks to Sebastian and Ganga for talking to us. In spite of what change is being affected at government level, the realities that work like this exposes is that policy often fails to translate into practice to make a difference in individuals' lives. From its birth at a time of democratic regression into present-day crises and inequalities, Medina's approach of starting on the small scale to affect wider change seems like the complement and balance to grand changes in policy. 
by giving individuals a space and network in which to share skills, develop approaches and validate experiences. They are amplifying the power of each person to influence their own life and conditions. We've talked a lot about women's experiences in the garment industry today, but the organisation is applying these practices to help mature workers access their rights too. You can find out more about Fadina's approaches on our website at genderfocus.org. You can also follow us on Twitter at genderfocus and LinkedIn for our newsletter and details of upcoming webinars. Thanks for listening.